Hi, Jeff. How's it going? Good. How are you, Alex? I'm excellent. It's um, mid-October already. Shocking, but true. And uh, we're joining. We're joining everybody. We're joining each other, and we're joining everybody for episode. We, I need to start keeping track of this, but we're on an episode of School of Thought, um, which is our super casual, off-the-cuff, learning, explosive. Uh, informative podcast all about how to sort of shift learning to be how to shift education to be more uh, supportive of of children and human development so it's always a pleasure and a and a gas to do this with you how's your week been it's been a busy week but a good one I guess I could always say it's been a busy week that's probably a yeah. terrible term to use, but <laughs> it's been it's been good it's been fruitful and fruitful full. yes oh I like that Oh, well, you know, you said the word busy and um, like that is the adjective that applies. Definitely. I've been, <laughs> I've been telling myself, I, w I refuse to use the word busy because it puts me, yeah, like it just makes me feel busy, right? And over, yeah. overloaded. So I'm, I'm telling people I have a, <clears throat> I have a metaphor for, for how the fall feels and I'm, I'm visualizing it as like a fast flowing river, uh, really fast flowing river. Like there's lots going on, but I'm in, I'm in the kayak and I have a paddle and I know what to do with the paddle. And so it's okay because sure, the river's fast, um, but there's gravel bars, right? And so I have this visual also of, of getting off, off, out of the kayak, out of the flow and onto the gravel bar now and then so that I can just pause and like let the river flow. I got that uh, image from Headspace a long time ago um, just watching the flow go by and then when I'm ready to get back in the flow I get back in the boat and then off I go so that's great somehow, yeah I know it's it it has made me feel a little more um, in management of what's going on because otherwise yeah I just feel like there is a lot going on yep, <laughs> yep. yep. I like that I like that yeah. very good yeah so so that's the metaphor I'm going with um but yeah, today we, we are, we're gathered here today again to talk about um, one, of, one of the convictions that you have, that you have hammered out as part of, the, um, part of the whole system of learning that you've adopted at your school, which is the Pacific School of Innovation and Inquiry. Um, and we've made it through eight so far. Our past episodes have, have taken people through eight of the convictions that uh, you have explained and I've asked you all sorts of questions about. We're gonna do the same thing today. Uh, today we get to talk about assessment. Um, big one. It's a big one, yeah. Actually, I know this is a big one for you, especially. Um, you've put a lot of time and energy over the years and not just over your years of leading SCI, but also all of your years in the classroom and all of your years in administration, assessment has been a really important focal point for you. So before I lay down the conviction, maybe tell me why, why has assessment been so important for you? That's, that's interesting. I was thinking about that leading up to this to say, you know, what, what's, you know, why is it a conviction? And like, well, how did it get to that top 20? Um, but I think part of it is because it's, done generally so poorly and we've kind of fallen into um first of all i think we've fallen into a trap where we think assessment and evaluation are the same thing and that's the first that's one big problem and then another one is even if we are thinking about assessment i think assessing learning is really hard because 
often we find ourselves assessing uh, performance that is used as an indicator of learning, but performance is performance. It's not learning. Um, it's kind of like the, the Zen story of the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon itself kind of a thing. Sometimes I think we're assessing a lot of fingers and we're not assessing a lot of moons. And so um, it's very tricky to make sure that what you think you are assessing is actually what you're assessing. It's hard. This is cool. I want to, okay, I want to go deep. I've already got a question. Are you surprised? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Trust Alex to ask all the questions. Oh, I don't even think I introduced us today. Sorry. Well, I'll back up. Induction. Oh yeah, that's true. You're Jeff. I'm Alex. You're, you are a principal and a, a principal educator, and I am a questioner, a seeker, a learner, a parent, all kinds of things. Um, okay, so, so our, the conviction as you've written it out is um, authentic and robust assessment of, for, and as learning is essential. So yeah. you're kind of, you're looking at this through three different lenses, um, assessment of learning, assessment for learning and assessment as learning. So yeah. maybe if I get you to break those down, you might answer the question that I had. Well, the question I, I had right off the top was how are, how are we confusing assessment and evaluation? So I'm imagining you'll sort that out when you tell us what the difference is of, of for, and as. Yeah, although I think that question actually could sort of stand on its own too, just that um, you know, assessing something should be um, providing feedback and giving somebody information about what you've, what you are witnessing or what they, what they're engaged in. So it's, it's just, it's not in an evaluative statement as much as it is an informative statement. So, um, sort of like, uh, if you go to the doctor and they give you a bunch of information, mm -hmm. um, it may not always be about this is good or this is bad. Like, um, if you go to an eye doctor, they say, this is your prescription. You're like, thanks. Now I can get glasses. Um, that, that work, not um, if I went into the eye doctor and they said, you know, you got an 85. And I'm like, 85 what? And they're like, 85, just bye. You know, <laughs> you've, been a, you've been a pleasure to have in my office. Have a nice summer. And then, um, you know, and then you go, I don't know what kind of glasses to get. I don't have any information, but I know that I'm an 85 and I guess I could be better if I was an 86. Um, so I think sometimes we forget that the information about something can be very specific to whatever kind of learning is happening. And it doesn't have to be an evaluative piece of information. It can just be informative. Um, okay. Often we jump to evaluation to tell people like kind of where they stand in some kind of a, you know, pecking order as opposed to give me some information about what I'm, what I'm learning, which is actually what we're supposed to be doing. I think at school. I think, I think for the most part, classrooms skew toward the former. Like even when I think about my, um, my time in the in the classroom uh teaching grades five and six yeah it was it was really about sort of measuring right yeah. and and yeah. and um i will tell you honestly back then my focus was not on how can i figure out what this child is learning and where her gaps are it was how can i show almost how can i show where the um where there's room for improvement, mm -hmm. but in a, but in a numerical way, almost always in a numerical way. If it wasn't a rubric, it was a percentage. If it wasn't a percentage, it was a fraction, right? Yep. Oh yeah. And we quickly, so this is a, this is that. a, yeah, like this is widespread. So how do you shift the gears? I mean, for us, I mean, I guess this is why is it, this is a conviction too, which is, um, 
you know, we have to shift the gears to giving people information that helps them learn better um, as a, or, and learn what they need as opposed to um, good try, try again and see what kind of number you get next time. Maybe it'll be higher. Um, and even with a rubric, you can say to someone, totally. you know, here's the stuff that's kind of, um, you know, would be the next step in the rubric. And that's, that can be helpful. And that can be mm-hmm. part of assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, if that just ends up being evaluative again, um, it can be a person doing something to try to see what is the criteria that someone has established for me to get a higher evaluation level as opposed to what do I need to do to learn more um, or learn better or go from where I am to a better place. Hopefully the two are similar, but they aren't, they aren't always. We do this in our system, our systems as well. Um, the, in, the, in, the, in the public school system especially, there's a, uh, there are these yearly um, improvement kinds of contracts that, that districts do, which is you set targets and you say, you know, here's where we are now, here's where we want to be next year. And quite often the numbers people choose for those targets are just kind of pulled out of thin air. Like, you know, we had, uh, I don't know, our people who can read by the age of six, you know, is, you know, 88%. We're going to try for 90% next year. And I always ask like, well, so where did that come from? It's like, oh, it's higher than 88. Um, but there's no real assessment of where did the 88 come from? How are you going to get to 90? What is it that, what is it that you're doing to help people learn to read? Or are you just sampling what you see is there any are you doing anything related to helping people learn to read um that's would be the assessment part um but just picking a number and just saying we want the number to be higher than the last number not to mention the fact that statistically there could be a margin of error around your numbers that could be bigger than the than the target that you've set so if you went from 88 to 90 you may have actually gone backwards right the margin of error could be bigger so um you know it's just very very quantitative and I think it's because numbers are still mystical to most people we kind of bow down to numbers um, but the numbers have to come from somewhere and they have to stand for something yeah so okay how how did it get this way like what's your thesis on how how education sort of became you know barking up the wrong tree pointing at the what was that what was that (laughs) Pointing at metaphor? the moon instead of, instead of the moon itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did we get sort of off track with, with paying attention to the right things? Well, I do, think, I do think that at one time, probably education wasn't so concerned about assessment as it was about evaluation, which was just sorting and sifting people, just saying who rises to the top. They're the people that are going to go on to, you know, maybe they're the ones who are going to go on to the professions and everybody else is not, or, you know, something like that from, you know, way back in the, back in the day when that's how we used to think about things. Um, so it probably really was just about mechanisms to sift and sort people. And that's still operative today though, right? I mean, like if you think about university entrance, I haven't actually looked at, and you would be way more familiar with this than me because of your graduates who are looking at university entrance. But um, I, I hear from people's experiences that the marks just keep getting higher and higher. So it is a lot of sifting and sorting. You know, you can't go to UBC for science yeah. unless you're, or for nursing, unless you have a 96%. Like, yeah. So then everybody who's going to nursing gets 96%. Um, the grade inflation problem is really ridiculous. And those numbers are really, you know, a university's attempt to say, well, if all you guys are going to do is give us numbers, then I guess we're going to make the numbers high. Um, all they're doing is guessing at how many seats they think they're going to have and how many people they think are going to come churning out of the system with those marks. And they, 
they just they literally are just using a statistical analysis saying you know half a percent of people came out with these marks that's about how much room we have so that's the mark um and they're just taking their best guess to try yeah. to gatekeep um but yeah you're right we we really have been doing an evaluative you know an evaluative kind of model and we still do to a large degree and again and that you know getting that 96 percent in you know human physiology 12 well, what does that mean like what what are you good at what are you not good at what do you need to improve on what are you comfortable with um what are your preferences what have you learned uh what have you mastered who knows like can't can't tell from that information no and so that that points up the fact that we have a we have a little bit of ground to cover don't we like i'm still thinking about university entrance and the picture you're painting is is the one that i also understand you know in the absence of other meaningful uh attributes you know learner attributes universities almost are reduced to this reductionist approach to onboarding um learners by just sort of looking at marks and i mean they're looking at um extracurricular involvements as well and a few things here and there like writing ability but really kind of missing the richness um of a fuller assessment yeah absolutely and i think you said it there too which is i think it's it is a reduction to something very simple i think we've talked ourselves into thinking we should be able to give someone information in a, in a single number or a very short bit of information whereas we would never do that with something as complex as learning actually is but we would we don't translate that from from school into other things that are just as complex like we wouldn't say you know what's the score of uh you know the brandenburg concertos what, what is their score out of 100 you know we don't do that because like what do you mean uh it's so there's so much to talk about there well guess what same with how human beings learn things we we've just reduced our curriculum we've reduced our um evaluation of how people are learning so much that we sometimes just forget about assessment altogether or we limit the assessment only to evaluative kinds of statements that are really simple and small so we can pass it on to someone really easily even though it could very well be wrong or just not not really informative enough and when you think about the impact that that approach has like even if you just winnow it down to one life right like you look at the life of one learner and I think this is in my mind right now because my grade eight son is home with me. He chose to homeschool this year. Um, and we were working on math today and he's got a big emotional and, and mental block around math. Um, and that is not because he doesn't have the ability to do computation and, and abstraction and, you know, and, and problem solving. It is down to the beliefs he has now um, taken on mm -hmm. through a system that is sort of evaluation focused and sort of only only capturing that very narrow reflection of of who he is basically right so no. not only are we getting an inaccurate picture of uh of what a human's competencies are when they are at any point in their educational stream um you know most especially when they're making the jump from grade 12 to to post sec but we are we are like that approach is is um it is not supportive of optimal human development i.e no. it gives the learner a belief about themselves and then it installs a self-limiting like a limiter right 
yeah. like a car engine has a limiter. You can't go beyond 90 kilometers an hour. It's like people have these limiters inside them now that were acquired in childhood that Absolutely. were acquired through almost an absurd process of having somebody give them uh, an evaluation. Yeah, a number of something. Number. It's, it's interesting what you talk about. Like if someone is working on a math concept and let's say they're using something that, that, they, that gives them a score, let's say there were 20 questions and they got the first five wrong and then they figured it out and then the next 15 were correct. They've mastered the concept. Right. Their mark is going to be, you know, 15 out of 20. It's not going to be 100%. It's going to be 15 out of 20. It's going to look at everything they did, but they mastered the concept. So that number is useless. It doesn't have anything to do with assessment. It's only evaluation, and it's in a context that isn't really terrifically helpful. Someone else who figured it out after one question is going to get 19 out of 20. So they're going to look like they have a higher mark, but they have exactly the same level of mastery. Maybe not even as good as the person that got the first five wrong. Um, there might be someone who did it 17 times and got the last three right and completely understands it. They fail, but they yeah. they've mastered it. Like, so there's no assessment of someone's grasp of the concept. There's only a mathematical construction that comes from dividing a number by another number, which doesn't mean anything at all except mathematically. Yeah. So, okay. So walk us through this, this um, conviction you've, you've, you've said authentic and robust assessment of for yeah. and as learning is essential. Go, I'm giving you three yeah, minutes. Okay. okay here we go. Oh my gosh. Okay. Here we go. Okay, talk real fast. Auctioneer time. Um, so, well, in BC, we've been really lucky. There's been a very large assessment conversation over probably 20 years. Um, it's kind of disappeared again, unfortunately. And I'm not quite sure what happened, but I guess it's not the flavor of the week anymore, so it's mm -hmm. gone. But we used to use this terminology in BC quite a bit. And the idea was um, assessment uh, of learning is kind of the obvious, like just telling mm -hmm. somebody how well they did and giving them some feedback that says, here's, here's how well you did. This is, we're assessing your learning. Um, assessment for learning is kind of the next, you know, richer, more, slightly more rich version of assessment, which is, I'm going to give you feedback, not to just tell you how you did, but to give you a sense of where you are, what that means to you and how you could, um, go deeper in your learning. So the assessment gives you something to work on. So for example, instead of giving somebody, you know, uh, eight out of 10 on a little essay they write, you, you might say to them, um, it looks like uh, you really understand how to make uh, paragraph to paragraph transitions, but you might want to work on um, having a consistent voice throughout the paper. And all of a sudden they're like, okay. And now they know, have some information of what they're going to work on to get better. So instead of just saying, I'll write another paper and see if I get nine, um, they actually know what they're trying to do. Now that's a, that was a quick example, but you know, something like that. Um, so the, the assessment for learning is about giving people feedback in within the learning process, not after the learning process to say, while you are learning this, here is some feedback for you that's going to allow you to learn this better than if I didn't give you the feedback. So let me ask you there, yeah. sorry, I, I took off your last sentence. What were you saying? So you're just saying, just doing it during, during the learning process instead of after it, that's all. Okay, well then, so, so when I was marking uh, essays, for example, I'm a professional writer now. So of course, uh, English was a, was a place where I felt like I could do some pretty good instruction. So yeah. I would be marking essays um, and there would be a grade for sure. But also I would have, you know, a fair amount of maybe bullet points at the bottom, you know, giving, uh, giving students some 
direction. Here's what you can do differently next time. Here's how you might try this. And I suggest doing this. So is that kind of in line with that assessment for learning? Like I was evaluating, but yeah. I was also giving some pointers about how to, how to improve, how to get that voice, et cetera, for next time. Absolutely. And if you think about it, if you didn't give the mark and you only gave that feedback, I think what's mm -hmm. funny is sometimes kids, especially they'll look at the mark and then go, man, feedback. And they may or may not look at it, but if all they get is the okay. feedback, they look at it. And if that's that, interesting, it's very, and it's, if it's what we emphasize, which unfortunately we don't emphasize right now in school, we emphasize the numbers. Mm -hmm. If you look at a grade book, there's nowhere for, there's nowhere for feedback. There's just numbers. Um, and I mean, yeah, that's why we don't true. use grade books because they're terrible, <laughs> but they emphasize the wrong, the wrong end of assessment. So you're absolutely right. That's, that's, that's a good example of a little bit of evaluation and assessment as well in the same place. I never thought of that. I, I, I feel sometimes I feel relieved that I'm like 15 years out of education, because if I were asking you these questions as a current educator, I would probably be exposing myself so much. At least this way I can be like, oh, back then. But <laughs> back in the day. But what an amazing concept that, and I saw that too in my students, like as soon as they had a mark, it, it almost didn't matter how much feedback I gave. They just honed in on, on the grade. And yeah. had I, had I, you know, maybe kept the grade to myself until a revised draft or something. Right. I mean, that yeah. would have really sparked some improvement, I think. Yeah, and if you keep a folder with a whole bunch of their writing and then you say, let's look through all your writing right now. Let's look at the first thing you wrote and the second thing you wrote and then some later things. And you say, what, what happened? What improved? What's different? What do you like it more? Do you like it less? What have you changed about your approach? And that, that's an incredible assessment conversation yeah. that, you know, that's what we do here. When I, I even, even in the old system, I actually switched over from um, giving things a, a number along the way to just assessment feedback. And then towards the end of a course, when we had to come up with a mark because of the system that we're in, we would be talking about the degree to which they had mastered the concepts that I was required to evaluate in the course, but I didn't do it along the way. So I didn't say, let's take all of your marks on essays and average out the number and that's your mark. I said, how are you doing now? What, how much have you mastered these things? And it was way better at the end than it was at the beginning. So I'm thinking, why on earth would I give them a mark that includes how they did at the beginning? That's got nothing to do with what they're able to do now. So that doesn't make any sense. That's like saying, you know, your height is three feet because when you were born, you were really little. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't give you any information about the person. You have such good, uh, this is part of your gift and strength as a teacher is your ability to, like, grab awesome anecdotes and, like, plug them in for, for illustrative value. That was, that was great. And it makes me wish, like, I don't think I have any of my old grade books anymore. Um, and I never was digital. I was back in the sort of pen and paper days. But I tell you, especially near report cards, I remember sitting with, uh, I used to assess a lot, a little and a lot, a lot, right? A little, but often so that I had a huge bank of things that I could then average and jimmy yeah. things around. Like, God, what happens if some of my old students are watching this, Jeff? I don't know. Um, but it, would, but it was always this ridiculously subjective, you know, like how much should I weight participation? Well, I don't know, maybe 10%. And what about quizzes? Well, they're quizzes and kids bomb the quizzes because they only learned the, okay, then maybe quizzes are 15%. And 
Yeah. Like it was just all so, yeah. It was artificial. All together. And it's funny because so you come up with these numbers and you wouldn't be happy about them because you know something isn't right. So then you try to make an adjustment and you feel terrible about an adjustment yeah. you messed with numbers. But you're the teacher. You're the person who actually knows the people and what they've learned. And what that is is your teacher inside saying that number is not correct. Yeah. Um, and so you try to figure out a way to justify it because you feel like math is the boss. And, you know, that's not even math. That's just adding. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it, the numbers push people around. When I talk to people about this method of doing things now, they say, well, what do you just pull a number from thin air? And it's like, I don't pull a number from thin air, but I certainly don't pull numbers from thin air every time I give someone assignment, an assignment like you do. Because, you know, this quiz is at an eight, this thing's at a 10. They're like, yeah, well, we wait it. It's like, great. Well, what are you waiting? What does that mean? Like, what are you actually measuring? And if you, if you take an assignment apart and say into its constituent parts and say, what were you testing? What were you finding out about? Um, quite often, it's not what you think. Um, I, I used to help departments undo their departmental wide, you know, cross-grade exams. Like, let's look at the, you know, your social studies 10 exam. We'd pull it apart and kind of sort of deconstruct the test to say, how does this map out into the outcomes that it's measuring? And we find out it's measuring like a third of what you thought it is. The weight is, is skewed over here. So you're really not testing what you say you're testing anyway, half the time. Okay, two questions. One, and you tell me which one you want to do first. One of my questions is, um, what would you prefer to see? Like what's happening at teacher education programs right now in terms of um, uh, helping people understand how to assess? Yeah. And what would you like to see? And the second question is, what about assessment as learning? Where do you want to go first? Let, maybe I better do assessment as learning because the other one I'm going to get all agitated. Oh, good. I like it. We're, we're getting hot <laughs> under the collar today. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, so, I mean, and it won't take long because assessment as learning is kind of like that next level, which is if you involve the learner in assessment, building assessment structure, um, and in our school, it's really easy because people design, kind of design their own curriculum or co-construct it with a teacher. So when we, when you design something, if you design it with assessment in mind at the front end, so someone said, I'm going to do a painting and you say, okay, in this painting, how do you want to be assessed? Like, what are you working on? And the learner is like, I've never been asked a question like that in my life. And you're like, yeah, well, get used to it. So then, so then they, they, they go, okay, well, I guess I really want to make sure that, you know, I'm doing watercolor and I'm really trying to get my brush strokes right. And I'm trying to, you know, stop it from bleeding into areas they don't want. And I want it to be kind of the right balance between crispness and, you know, that kind of stuff. And they, we co-develop a thing, a list of things or, or a number of things that they'd like to have us consider when we look at it. So rather than somebody handing something in and you just mark it based on a whole bunch of things, I might have, three people hand me the same uh, paper, but one of them sending it, writing it to me to say, I'd really like you to focus on my transitions. Um, another might be giving to say, I really want you to see, to get me to focus on my vocabulary. And someone else might be handing and say, I really want you to focus on um, the way I do citations. And if I've got the level right of where it's me versus what I've cited. And they, they could all get completely different assessment um, information back for exactly the same paper, depending on what its purpose was. And that's the same, that is reflective of what happens in the adult world or in the working world, because um, when I'm editing someone's book or when I'm editing a chapter or something, 
it's really important to understand what they want me to look for, Absolutely. right? Because there, yeah. there are 85 things that I could uh, give feedback on and that's really time consuming. However, if you want me to give feedback on your, your handling of dialogue or uh, the believability of your characterization, that is a, that's more valuable to the person who's waiting for my feedback. And it's also more, you know, I'm giving that feedback and therefore I know that it's going to be useful to the person. So it's a, it's a really nice targeted exchange. Absolutely. I, and I think it, it helps the learner to think about that as well, because they need to think about the purpose of what they're doing. So again, in school, if there's no purpose, why are you doing it? And so I don't oh, want people to do things for no reason. I want them to do it for a reason. So I like to ask somebody, why are you doing this? How does it fit with your goals in, in your line of inquiry? What is it you're trying to figure out about the thing, yourself, your connection to the thing? Are you trying to build a skill? Um, are you trying to really understand a concept deeply? What is it and how would you know? And then we talk about like indicators. So what would be some indications of depth in the area that whatever it might be, a skill, a content, whatever it might be, um, not to the point of necessarily creating a rubric or anything, just, just kind of thinking about it. Um, and then sometimes we don't even know what the indicators are until we get to the assessment conversation, yes. but that's okay. Yeah. Well, and what you are saying, like asking, why are you, why are you focusing on this? Why are you, why are you learning this? Yeah. That is a, that is a central question in business, right? Like there are many organizations that are in operation where employees and often even into the directorship, people aren't actually certain of why are we doing this initiative? Sometimes people aren't even certain of why, why is our organization in existence? So that lack of self-reflective questioning, it could quite well be tracked back to coming up through a school system where you were never asked, like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And, and, and for those, yeah. And though those children who come out of the, you know, who arrive in this world as questioners who ask, why are we doing this? They are often labeled troublesome or uh, undesirable because they, they are courageous enough to, you know, to ask that really heavy duty question of like, what is the relevance to our betterment here? Absolutely. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. So, and we want, we want those people. And even, even if they can think about it in an assessment way, if they do have to, if they are seen as a troublemaker, but they can explain their thinking, um, that, that can sometimes get them out of trouble. So that can work really well. If they have an adult who's going to hold space for them to do that, right. Rather than just exactly. jump to punishing. Exactly. And if they get to learn that structure along the way, then they can advocate for themselves later, later in life because they've practiced with a bit of yeah. scaffolding, which we talked about before. Um, right. But um, the other thing that you had asked about the teacher education part. Um, mm. So again, it's still like the assessment course that you take the one. one. I took yep. one. Did you take so one. one? I took one. I took um, one. It kind of came up a little bit in my practicum, but not really that much. Um, and then, and then unfortunately in BC, we're using a, we use a piece of software called MyEdBC, which keeps track of all the demographics and all your stuff, final marks for things. And it has built in a grade book. And it is a grade book with names down the side, tasks across the top, a column for the numbers, a column for the weighting, and you put numbers in it. And that's, 
it's the old grade book from the 50s. The um, red ones with the coils, remember? They were all shrink wrapped and like every September there'd be stacks of them. Yeah, yeah. You can still get them and they look exactly the same. Nothing's changed. Um, and the one on the one on the computer is exactly the same as the one in the red spiral bound book. It's exactly the same. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other companies that have invented things that sometimes sound like they're more modern, but when they, when you get down to it, it's still evaluating things. It's just putting things in boxes and adding the boxes up and coming up with numbers. It's um, for the most part, there's a few people that have tried to get out of that, but um, I would say that even the teachers who are using those products that can help you track things in a different way, um, I would say it's probably less than 10%. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so the status quo is still super powerful and the free tools and the obvious tools out there are still pushing people into the worst assessment practices. And what's really crazy is that often the biggest, like when I just, if I just sort of take a snapshot of a, of a, of a person who's in high school or recently graduated, they are holding on to two significant things about their experience in school. One, what was it like to share time and space with their peers? Was it positive, negative, et cetera? Two, how smart am I? And the only no. way they have to actually um, get, a, get a handle on that idea is the marks that they were given. Yeah, that's all they've got. They don't have any, there's nothing else to go on. There's, they don't get any other information. Um, yeah. So what needs to change? You know, it's funny, I mean, I would, I would have said we just need more awareness about assessment. But like I said, we spent 20 years in BC talking about assessment. Um, to me, our curriculum has to change. So we have an outcome-based curriculum, which quickly suggests to people that there are little items, little granular items inside a big course, and you have to kind of check on each one of them. And it starts to push people very quickly into evaluation thinking as opposed to assessment thinking is you're sort of thinking have we you know you'll hear this word have we covered that um, totally so as a teacher it's about covering and then as covering from a student's point of view or how a teacher thinks of a student is can i say that they got you know a high enough mark in that to say that they did it although that doesn't even matter because ultimately you add all the marks up and you get one big mark and they might not understand anything about residential schools and municipal government, but other things got a big enough mark that they could still come out of it with an 80% in a social studies class. And it's like, great, that person got a really high B in a social studies class and they have no idea about residential schools or how municipal government works, but you can't see that in the number. So I, I think it's, it's about, again, about a, a revisiting of like, what are we trying to do in school? Like what is school for? Um, is it for sifting and sorting or is it for learning? I would say, Jeff Hopkins, that like 70% of the world thinks it's sifting, sorting, and... I think so, too. I and think stratifying, yeah. And it's funny, because it's our, that's already done. Like, we don't need school to do that for us. Yeah. It's very easy. That part's easy. It's very easy to do that. Um, you can put it, create an online test for anything right now. You can sift and sort people in five seconds. Um, but if school was actually about learning interestingly you might have more people who sift out closer to the top because um, you can actually teach people but then i think there's also a built-in feeling that people are almost born into a you know like a, a strata of some kind like some level 
as opposed to the, you know, the neuroplasticity and the ability to learn, like we all know people actually do have. So um, what, so what, I mean, you are still at, at, at the Pacific School of Innovation and Inquiry at SAI, you are still bound by British Columbia curriculum, right? You, you, you teach yeah. differently, you, you approach learning differently. However, at the end of the day, you still need to, you know, issue those marks. Right. Are, are you saying that you would, you, you, in an ideal situation, you would do away with the marks entirely? Where do you stand on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're okay. absolutely extraneous. They have nothing to do with learning. They're a huge distraction. Um, and I think you're reducing a very complex um, activity learning to a number. And it's, I think it's crazy. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Like I feel terrible when we, when we actually have to assign a number yeah. to something like learning. I just think it's terrible. And most people are kind of stressed out around that time because like what you were saying, when you're looking at the numbers, you're saying, mm, that doesn't feel quite right, but it doesn't, also, doesn't feel right to change it. Um, that's because it's a dumb thing to do. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's the craziest get that thing. out there. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, I would do away with it. Um, what our learners end up with, um, and we've talked about this with the Ministry of Education before is, you know, what if a transcript, instead of being a uh, sort of a list of things and a list of numbers beside them, which is what a transcript is right now, when you graduate courses with marks, what if it was um, uh, a little grid, like our little, our little competency and context grid. Um, and it was a little place where you could kind of look at any of the intersection points and see kind of what someone has mastered or how they would summarize their learning in those areas. Um, could you imagine if you were an employer or a university or a person who's going to lend somebody money to start a business and you could see very quickly what someone had mastered, how they're demonstrating that mastery and how they explain the mastery to you very clearly and succinctly instead of here's a thing with a bunch of numbers on it. You have no idea how I got those numbers, what those numbers really mean. Um, it doesn't really tell you anything at all. Yeah. And so how, how close are, that sounds like uh, educational utopia, right? Like yeah. yep. actually really being able to show what a learner, where her competency bases are and where her great strengths are, yep. um, what she offers to herself and to her employer and to the people in her world. How far are we from that? Like, is there a way out of this marking hole? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know why, but I'm still tremendously optimistic. And, and the reason I say I don't know why is because I've had this conversation with, I don't know how many different deputy ministers, assistant deputy ministers, um, groups of people who come to hear me talk about it. And I don't know what they think about it half the time. Um, everyone's nodding and smiling and then nothing ever happens. So I think, I don't know whether there's sort of a, a tipping point. I don't know whether there's a, some kind of a, like, social capital that people feel they need to unload this on the, the public and they don't feel like they have that yet. Um, I would say, really oh, yeah, I would say that's operative. That part is definitely operative because, you know, and you and I have talked about this and you've talked about it with a bazillion people, I imagine. Part of what is holding um, transformation back in the education system is the reluctance of adults such as you and I who have already gone through school and so we have that degree of familiarity with it we've got parents who have gone through school and have a degree of familiarity like it, it, it's the what is that phrase it's the devil we know absolutely and change absolutely. is 
scary. So I think it's just that basic psychology that's really in our way. Yeah. There's a little cartoon that I often show when I do a talk to people and it's uh, I, I don't, I wish I can remember the name of the artist, but I do, I do have the artist's name when I show it, but it's, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's got two little squares and one of them, there's a person standing on a podium, a bunch of people in the audience and the person on the podium says, who wants change? Everybody puts up their hand. And the next frame he says, who wants to change? And everybody puts down their hand. <laughs> Isn't that unreal? Yeah. And it's, and it's, unfortunately, so it's so real. Yeah. Um, so when I, you know, we have had about 120 people from UVic visit us this year by Zoom and I kind of explain how the school works and show them, show them around and talk to them about things. And a lot of the questions are like, are, how could you do that? And what do you mean you don't do such and such? And you can just see the, the horror uh, for some people, it's just kind of like, well, I guess that was our weird field trip for the day. You know, <laughs> and then other people, and you can see them, their eyes are lighting up and they're like, this exists. The world is going to be okay. Um, mm. And almost nothing in between. So I think it's very polarizing for people to say, we're going to change that thing you think you all know everything about school. And we're going to make it something completely, well, not completely unrecognizable, but really, really different. Very different. I'm not sure everybody's comfortable. Even people who have had a bad school experience. And when I was a superintendent in the Gulf Islands, there were a couple of parents who I talked to one time who were very concerned about how I was pushing things towards a constructivist approach in education, which kind of goes with inquiry learning. Um, and when it got down to it, after we had a real good conversation one day, I think we were outside of a grocery store or something, um, the, it, came, it came out that both of them had struggled so much in school and the school system that had been made to feel so um, little by the system that it was very hard for them to admit that all of that was for naught and was kind of arbitrary and didn't really need to be that way. Oh, that is interesting. That is at the deepest level, hey? Yeah, it's almost counterintuitive, yeah. but it was like yeah. that terrible thing, if it's not really terrible, it didn't need to be terrible, then what happened to me was absolutely cruel. And yes. you don't want to admit that because that will make you feel pretty terrible about the world. Well, um, and then you have a big box to unpack or to avoid in your psyche, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And I think so, the, other side, the other side is that because we do say, if you've got high 90s and everything, you're the one who gets to go on to the next exciting thing. Those people end up in positions that are typically, you know, kind of important positions that make decisions about things. And so they're not going to change it because the world they, they know and that got them to where they are is the world of 96%. Yeah. Um, so they don't, it takes a little bit of discussion to get them to consider it as maybe it wasn't about the 96%. Maybe it was about what you knew how to do. Um, maybe that's what makes you successful. Um, so making change in this area is going to require, you know, um, a shift in teacher education so that, you know, we're, we're learning more, more early in our early adulthood um, what's at play when we are assigning marks, ver you know, versus assessing for and as and of learning. Yes. Um, but also we need to sort of be more willing to yeah, be more willing to look at the, our own experiences, you know, at, at midlife and later life, we, we have to be willing to, and we seed it to ourselves inside all the time, but there's something about admitting it elsewhere that's very threatening, or maybe some people don't even seed it to themselves inside, right? Like the, yeah, we are, we're, we are, um, 
possessively hanging on to our, our inner thorns, <laughs> not wanting anybody to show us something that, yeah, that we're not ready to see. I mean, this is a yeah, so, thorny yeah, thing. Uh, education too, I think we often get talked into, um, um, I've used this terminology before, but like the flavor of the week or the flavor of the year. And so, you know, this year, professional development is about this. And yeah. next year, it's going to be about that. We dump that thing because that thing's no good anymore. It's old. But, you know, so assessment, unfortunately, has been a little bit of a victim of that. And it's kind of been replaced by, you know, this year, it's trauma-informed education. And yes. that's the thing you have to do now. So um, trauma-informed education would include really good assessment for learning. Um, it wouldn't be evaluate everything because evaluation is a terrible thing to do to someone who's been traumatized. Yeah. Um, but that's not what they mean when they say that. And we'll continue to evaluate people in our trauma informed education system, um, which, you know, it, we just, we just keep coming up with the next decoration to hang on the tree every year. Um, and I think we kind of got to look at the tree. Uh, we do have to look at the tree, the roots, the, the, the stem, the bark, the whole thing. Yeah, it's true. It's funny what you said about the teacher education program too, because when you think about the stem and the roots and the bark, um, when you were saying, you know, the teacher education program has to change, it has to change while you're in a program at university getting marks. So you're in your course about assessment, getting a mark. Yes. And you better get a good mark or you're going to lose your scholarship or not graduate or, um, you know, whatever the case might be. So it's pretty funny when you're trying to learn about authentic assessment and you've got you're maybe in a class where you do three assignments and they add them up and divide by the number and you get an average mark. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That's kind of a oxymoronic thing, isn't it? I would say so. At least moronic. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, good one. Wah, wah. Uh, okay. So what I wanted to say to people is that if they are curious about your assessment framework, this is yeah. your, the SCI competency framework. It is on the SCI website, which is www.learningstorm.org. And yeah. it's one of a, a, a number of really great resources that people can download and use. Please play with it, use it. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's, gonna, it it's gonna point you to good assessment because the just, just used one an hour before this meeting, uh, the, before this conversation. And, and it was, it's so good because you, the learner leaves knowing what they need to do next to, to learn more towards goals that they've set with you. It's so good. Um, it doesn't feel like you've done something kind of half baked or, you know, assessment shouldn't be a private act. It, it should yeah. be something that you do with the person who's learning because that's who the assessment's actually for. That's really true. Yeah. And we don't, you know, we, we, we don't approach it that way. Not all the time in the, in the working sphere. And yet it's at school, it is very much a, I'm going to decide this and yeah. then I will award this to you. And if you're lucky, I'll explain it to you. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. That's right. If you're, if you're lucky. Yeah, it's true. So I think it would be great to get to a place where, um, you know, we can have children transferring from one learning level to another, you know, grades, uh, just sort of with this, with this, um, with a very clearly depicted spread, almost, you know, like I'm just thinking somewhere in my mind, there's got to be a software that somebody's going to develop that will, that will make all of this very easy. Because at the moment, it feels like it's, it, at the moment, it feels like it's 
qualitative, and that means oh, there's probably going to be lots of reading. And so, how does a university go through all these things? But you know, you already have a framework that kind of acts like a, a bit of a a, a, a grid, right? Yep. So you can get a quick read. We yeah. can put someone a one pager that would give you a sense of where someone has developed depth to what degree for every competency as it meets each context. You could hand someone a piece of paper that would be no bigger or smaller or thicker or thinner than the one piece of paper that right now is their transcript. Right. Um, you have to ask questions about it and you'd have some things behind it. Um, for us, that page would be the front page that, you know, you look behind it and it would, you'd see all of the supporting information. If you look behind a transcript, you got nothing because the mark books are gone. They went through the shredder in, at the end of June. Um, there's no information, it's gone. You have no idea where that number came from if you wanted to. Um, but ours is we can show you exactly where it came from over like four years if you want. Yeah. And how much more valid is that? We didn't even talk about validity and, yeah, and um, reliability, right? But true, that's true. a really, that's much more valid than what we are currently engaged in in the education system. I think so. And transparent. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's more, it's, yeah, both. Definitely. Cool. That was that so this is this is this is your thinking around uh, conviction nine authentic and robust assessment of for and as learning is essential that was a good one i think a lot of people are going to have a lot of things to think about after this including me i hope so, I hope so yeah i mean i used to be on the dark side on this one i learned over time and went oh man and i'm i'm ashamed of my practice from previously i really am and i think a lot of us would be in that boat because that's how we were taught to do this yeah yeah, yeah. and you know what what you just said was really important because um, I think that's part of what, what, is, what is great about these conversations is, is that, you know, um, our, our willingness to, yeah, be like, yeah, when I look back, I could see how I was, I was learning and growing and operating under some faulty, um, faulty paradigms perhaps. But here's, you know, there's somebody on Twitter said last night, like, you know, we, we need to be okay with changing our minds right like instead yeah. of the wider world pointing fingers at people and saying well you didn't say that five years ago five years ago you said this it's right here like yeah. let's yeah. drop that right we are works in progress we are continually learning um and and continually casting off things that no longer serve us that's what we want for our children and our learners so we need to make space for that for ourselves and and the first part of doing that is um, forgiving ourselves for, for being jerks earlier yep. in our careers, for being, like you said, you're on the dark side, you're a bad guy sometimes, and so was I. Boy, you know, I had kids writing lines on the board, for goodness sake, when I first graduated. Like, yeah, so just being able to be like, okay, this isn't the way, this isn't the best way. Um, I'm not perfect, I'm still learning. What's next? Nope. It's okay. Yeah, just surface it and move on. Like if you're going in the right, it's you know you're, if you're going in the right direction, that's way more important than any snapshot along the way. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a marathon. <laughs> it's not a sprint. So a snapshot is. isn't going to tell you about the marathon. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, Jeff, always so good to talk with you. Thank you, you. everybody for tuning in, and uh, we're just going to keep rolling it out because there's lots to talk about here. We'll see you next time. See ya.